This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kays and Jeremy Fisher. This is A Voice. Hello and welcome to Podcast 12. And we're in lockdown right now, both in Wales and England is about to go into lockdown. We're recording this on November the 3rd. And a lockdown, of course, in, impacts and influences everyone. Now, we have a special guest today. Yes. Can I just say, yes. before I do the intro, is that there are, you know, legions of choir leaders and performers uh, and uh, theatre group leaders who have gone into despair because yes. we've gone back into lockdown. Again. And the impact, not only on the performing arts industry, but on the... Uh, the the kind of the, the people who sing well, the for psyche joy as well. and pleasure the, the psyche psychological of the thing yeah. it's a huge impact yes so it seems to me that there is nothing better that I can do than to read do sing a little bit of our guest our special guest guest our special guest today is James Sills and he's the author of Do Sing in 2019 Gillian's just going to read a little bit out that really struck a chord with us yeah this is from chapter 7 and it's harmonize when we sing together we create harmony not just musically but in the broader sense of the word harmony comes from the greek word harmonia which means joined in agreement concord And this is what it feels like to sing together. A feeling of connection, unity and fellowship. To sing together is to be part of a community. Your voice is heard. It's powerful. And there's never been a greater need for this. James, what a great thing to write. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It's lovely to see you both. And hear you both. Of course, we're on... Yeah. Audio and video. Yes. It Actually, reading that yesterday when we were thinking about, you know, how, how should we lead James in, I nearly cried because you wrote that presumably between 2018 and 2019, and here we are right now yeah. in this situation. Nothing could have been more prophetic in some ways, did yeah. you but know it? Yeah. Well, Absolutely. And yeah, like you say, when I wrote that, I was very much aware of the need to come together to build community, all things that I'm sure we're going to talk about today. And then when when lockdown happened, and we, we found ourselves in the situation that we are now, you know, there's this paradox, we, we need to come together even more, we need to feel that fellowship and community even more, but we can't. Um, and so it's a very, very interesting time, isn't it? Mm. And um, I hadn't really reread that in the context of where we are now but um but absolutely Gillian yeah what a lovely place to start well thank you for writing the book uh, i think in in the same chapter you quote someone who's talking about us living in an age of loneliness yes absolutely yeah well, and where this we don't connect with each other yeah oh yeah absolutely um i think it was george monbiot who kind of coined the phrase mm-hmm. but we know that you know there's across the particularly the, the the western world but you know it's it's not a particular a particular demographic or a particular age um age group there is you know this kind of sweeping epidemic of, of loneliness that that really really um you know worries me and concerns me and and you can you can see it almost at every level um within society you know that there's no one <clears throat> one particular reason but but strong communities um are dissolving people are becoming more atomized mm. Um, and you know this is completely against our nature as humans. You know mm-hmm. we are social beings. We've always been social beings. We've always come together in groups, and that's why you know for me that the singing experience is just so important because not only are we coming together and we're in the same physical space, or at least we used to be, and we will be again mm-hmm. someday. Um, but you know there is so much that goes on when people are singing together in terms of bonding and there's been so much research that kind of confirms our intuition um, that when we sing with other people we feel really deeply connected to them and so it's been a complete revelation for me that 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 same feeling can be replicated when we're singing together online which has been the only option you know for the last seven or eight months. I mean we couldn't go any further without talking about sofa singers. Tell us about sofa singers what happened? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, it, it was the beginning of, uh, of, of March. 
there was a sense that we were going to be going into lockdown very soon and that, you know, the singing would have to stop. And, you know, and it did. And actually singing was one of the last things that was kind of relaxed. Um, anyway, that's maybe a separate conversation. Mm. And so for me, it was a knee-jerk reaction, just thinking, well, well what can I do as, you know, as a vocal leader to help bring people together to sing, even, you know, when we have to be in our own homes and we can't actually be together in the same physical space. And I think it was, it was the weekend that we saw the amazing singing in the streets in Italy, people singing from their balconies. Mm-hmm. I think the way it started is I, I think I posted about it on Instagram and I said, you know, can we do this online somehow? And so many people dived in and said, yes, we must, you know, come on, James, you can do this. And so I, I then felt a slight weight of responsibility and <laughs> you know, slightly giddy with excitement at yeah. the possibility. And so I, I then kind of committed and I said, okay, in two days, um, I'll send out a Zoom link and we'll all get together to sing on Zoom. And I'd never used Zoom at that point. Um, <laughs> I didn't really know how this was going to work. I knew that we couldn't synchronize our voices because of latency, but I thought, you know, I just need to do something. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, two days later, uh, it was the 17th of March, uh, 200 people, no, 500 people, sorry, that the Zoom capacity joined me from every corner of the world. Goodness knows how everybody found out about it. And we spent an hour and a half singing Stand By Me, people joined in with their families. Um, afterwards, people shared songs and stories with a bit of an open mic. Um, and, you know, we closed the, the Zoom session and felt elated. We felt connected. We, you know, we felt hopeful, I think, at a time when when people were feeling hopeless. And then, you know, the next month was was quite um, quite a roller coaster ride, really, because we were on the BBC News. It was on American TV. I was doing interviews with so many newspapers. But for me, it was just um, amazing that there was all this interest suddenly in singing, mm-hmm. but not singing for the sake of singing, but singing for the sake of building community, for um, connecting ourselves to support our well-being and and, and that very much is, is the theme of the book as you know mm-hmm. and that's always been very much my kind of interest has been bringing that message into more of a mainstream forum because I think the mainstream narratives around singing particularly solo singing are around competing around technicality about can or can't mm-hmm. um, and and of course that that that, that has its place um, but I, I feel that there's there's more than one narrative and and so to I guess, you know, it, it was the kind of the, the dual realisation that I was being able to connect people twice a week through Zoom and, and for me to really enjoy that and to really, you know, enjoy nourishing that community, but at the same time to then have a bit more of a platform to talk about singing in this way. Mm. Um, yeah, has been amazing and continues to be amazing. I think reading the reading your, um, you do a little nine-point biography at the beginning of Do Sing, which is great which is basically mm. where you where you come from mm. as in how music has always been part of your life. Mm. And of course um you are still I'm sorry old enough to have had singing in assembly at school which has oh, pretty yeah. much disappeared now. Mm. So that's mm-hmm. always a basis for people to start with. Mm. But because of your background and your your experience and the way that you work community and health have always been really strong. And for that, is still really strong in everything that you do. Talk to us about that. It's well-being, isn't it, James? I think I want to sort of put health under that wider umbrella mm, of well-being. Yeah. That's certainly what I've picked up from you. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. Um, I mean, if I, you know, if I think about, you know, the, my earliest music-making experiences, I, I can't separate them from the communities in which, you know, they, they were linked to, you know, so whether it was singing with my dad on the football terraces or whether it was um, singing in assembly or when I was a bit older playing trombone in the local brass band. Then when I was a bit older writing songs and trying to sing like Kurt Cobain doing Nirvana covers with my mates, (laughs) you know, this full spectrum of music making for me, the music was almost secondary to the, 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 you know, the role that it kind of facilitated in me being part of those communities. And so um I've never in my mind had a separation of the two. It's never been kind of music over here and kind of community and health and well-being over here. It's it's been part of the same thing. Mm. And I think maybe in the last 5 to 10 years has been a real kind of upsurge of interest in it and yeah. you know I I think you know even the word well-being you know wasn't in mainstream use probably 5 or 10 years ago. And and it's not, often it's only obvious when you look back, isn't it? But I think for me it's always been about communal group 
um, communal music making. That's the thing that's always made me tick. I, I, you know, I've never been particularly good at spending hours in a room practicing on my own. Um, it's always been the joy of connecting with other people and just feeling part of that sound. You know, for, for a lot of years, I felt just like I didn't really have a musical home. You know, I played in orchestras and big bands and, and you know, all, all kinds of different musical contexts. But I think that the common thread was was making music with other people and feeling part of that sound and working with other people to create something beautiful. And I think all of those things um, have kind of led me to do what I'm doing now. And I think the thing that's so wonderful about The Voice is that it's it's so democratic, mm. You know, it took me years and years of playing and practicing the trombone to get to the point where I could make music in, in, in a really kind of profound and, and meaningful and enjoyable way. And I think with singing, it can be so much more um, immediate. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that, that was a real revelation for me, maybe seven or eight years ago, um, to kind of realize that I suppose and and you know and there's so many things about singing as well you know the fact that it has words and that adds another level of power um, mm. and connection to that in terms of emotional connection um, and so it kind of felt for me you know yeah maybe seven or eight years ago when when singing became such a big part of my practice that so many of these threads started coming together because all through university I had a really strong interest in music therapy. I actually thought that that was going to be my, my kind of route because um, as a music therapist, you don't tend to then train until, you know, maybe in your late twenties or, you know, early thirties when you've had a bit of experience. So mm. my loose plan was, um, was to come back to that. And um, I, I, I do feel very much that the work that I do does have a strong therapeutic element. Not that I would ever, put that on a poster or advertise that in my marketing necessarily. I like people to come to that themselves. Mm. So, um, but everything you're saying about health and, and well-being, I, yeah, it completely resonates with me. And I think, you know, as I go on with my singing work, they're the areas that I'm really, really interested in. Mm. I mean, uh, for example, um, last weekend I was facilitating a workshop at a, a festival called the Good Grief Festival, mm. a festival mm build as a festival of love and loss and I was leading a session there which was designed for people to feel that that community of singing together but also use that as a space to reflect and, and to grieve and do whatever they needed to do through through the song and, and so that that was a, a real privilege for me but it, it's really interesting um you know I'm still relatively new into my freelance career but to find myself in in those spaces which aren't kind of strict singing context but they are you know, kind of forums for discussing ideas um, around health and well-being and, and what it what it means to live, really. I mean, if that doesn't sound too grandiose. No, it totally doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, if we're not going to think about that now yeah. uh, in 2020, when are we ever going to think about it? Yeah. And, and I do feel it's one of the, you know, the positive outcomes of people being forced into lockdown that they're stopping and thinking, actually... Uh, do I need, what is life about? Mm. Do I need to work so hard for this success? You know, we, we've been called the more generation. We must have more of this. We must have more of that, more clothes, more money, more success. And suddenly when that's not in front of us anymore, you know, maybe we're looking up to the trees or the sky or we're looking across the table to members of our family and saying, actually, this is more important and mm. I don't mm. want to spend my life doing that. And I think it's... Uh, a huge lesson for all of us. I mean, we've changed the way we're working. Very much. As a result of delivering by Zoom, the way that we teach has changed mm-hmm. quite yeah. dramatically and yeah. in a good way. And we're not going back to teaching the way that we used to teach, no. whether we're in person or on Zoom. Yeah, absolutely. We've learned from that experience. I think it's really interesting because to me, it makes complete sense what you've just been talking about, mm. that your route has taken you to... Um, voice and grief or voice and emotion Mm. because Mm. you are aware that when we sing there is emotion involved because if there isn't it just doesn't mean anything yeah and you're dealing with strong emotions and you're actually creating an arena where people can deal with strong emotions Mm. in a safe environment Mm -hmm. Uh, and the safe environment thing is so important because we have so Mm. few safe environments in the world at the moment well and Sorry, yeah. I, all, all, all I was going to say about that, sorry, Gillian, That's was fine. that um, I, I completely uh, agree with you there, um, Jeremy. And, and the, I think the lovely thing about singing is that it is a safe space, but it's not necessarily 
where you say to everybody, this is a safe space, let's pass around the honesty stick. And, you know, <laughs> because I think there are a lot of people who um, would be resistant to that. Perhaps I would be, maybe. Um, but I think there's so much that you can do in a communal singing environment if you scaffold it um, in the right way, if you facilitate it in the right way, if you sort of facilitate it with compassion and with love where you don't have to tell people what you're trying to do, but mm. they experience it for themselves. So just as, as an example, I run um, a men's um, singing group um, called the Bevington Bitter Men, which is very much inspired by my singing with the spooky men's um, chorale. And, um, you know, as we know, men are, are underrepresented, particularly in the kind of community open access singing um, circles. And so I kind of wanted to create a space for men to come and sing together. Um, and so we, we sing, you know, a really broad range of music. Of course, you know, we sing sea shanties, we sing, you know, Georgian table songs. Um, but we also sing really beautiful, poignant songs as well. Um, we, d we did a virtual choir video in the summer for um, a song by Graham Nash called Simple Man, which is, you know, about, about vulnerability. Um, and, you know, that then has created a space for 30 men to come together to sing about that. Mm. We're not necessarily talking about it afterwards. I know that they now are a really great informal support network for each other, mm -hmm. but just being in, in the room together, sharing those words, sharing that sentiment, knowing, you know, there's, there's a common understanding there that we almost don't need to, to, to say anything about it if we don't want to. Mm. And, and I think that it, that's really, really powerful in itself. It's the expression um, of human experience. It, it is. Mm. And, uh, where I'd sort of, because I, I, I wanted to interject and mention that in the book you talk about find your singing tribe. Mm. And what we've been talking about in terms of, of community, you know, we are hardwired as humans to connect with other people. Mm. And uh, one of the reasons why people are experiencing stress uh, in their lives, which leads to uh, particularly chronic disease and chronic conditions, is because they're not doing that. Mm. And so what you're talking about really is that sense of, of tribal connection, even if it's, it's never articulated as such, that's what people are experiencing, isn't it? Mm. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like you say, we know that, that fear, you know, if you're feeling disconnected and, and, and isolated, it, you know, there are so many, you know, side effects that will affect your health in, in, in a really detrimental way. Yeah. So we do need to feel connected, but it's also important, I think, to feel connected to people that share something of your values or mm. that you see something of yourselves in, in other people. And I think within the group singing world, you know, the world of kind of choirs, I think there are a lot of perhaps stereotypes that people who maybe, you know, don't know a lot about the, the singing world and the choir world think that choirs might be about you know choral societies so you have to wear formal clothes and, and read sheet music and sing in a particular way yeah. or they might think that singing in a group is about um, what they've seen on Glee or Pitch Perfect and they have to kind of do backflips and, and sing in a particular way and, and of course those are two you know very valid expressions of the singing experience but there is so much more than that and um that notion of the singing tribe, I think I, I genuinely feel that there is the right singing group out there for everybody, but it might take them some time to find it, mm -hmm. you know? So I, 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 I don't think that there's kind of one size fits all for everybody. So a little bit like if I go back to the example of, of the Bebbington Bitterman, I feel like I've created a singing group that is attracting men to join that they might not have joined another group you know so you know a lot of them have said you know, I, I haven't felt compelled to join a barbershop chorus or I haven't wanted to join a male voice choir but there's something about this group that feels right to me mm. and, and and that's a space that I'm really interested in as a facilitator is mm. how can we keep creating spaces that are bringing people into singing mm. um, you know where they didn't feel that they were being served before and and so this is why you know I like to gently you know, kind of challenge a lot of the, the established perceptions about, about group singing be, mm. because, I don't know, if you think about cookery programmes on TV, right? Bear with, bear with me on this. That's you know, fine. There's, there's we a, watch them all. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. Well, there you go. You yes. watch all of them because there's a huge spectrum, right? Yeah. There's a huge spectrum of approaches, of chefs, of perspectives, um, you know, and so you probably align yourself with a particular approach or a particular, for a particular philosophy. I feel that in the singing world, 
there's a real lack of diversity um, and a real lack of kind of approaches, um, you know, and so that people don't really see the full reality of, of what's going on out there. And I think that's partly perhaps because of TV, you know, because they're very keen to go with jeopardy and competition because that's what makes great Good TV. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for me, it's, it's always been about the process. Um, it's been about the process of listening and learning and growing and, and collaborating. Um, and maybe that's not as easy to, to, to transmit on TV. Maybe it, you know, it's not going to take the viewing ratings, but I, I feel if there was a greater diversity in the media, particularly on television in the way that there is with, with cooking and, and approaches to that, mm-hmm. I think maybe people could find their singing tribe maybe a little bit quicker. And, and that's the thing, really. I, I just feel that there is just so much to gain from singing with other people in terms of health and well-being and community that it's a real disservice if people don't find um, a forum in which they feel safe to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've had so many people, you know, I run predominantly um, adult kind of, you know, workshops, uh, working with adults now, and I've had so many people who, who might join who are in their later years who say, I wish I'd have found mm-hmm. this choir, I wish I'd have found a choir that resonates with me you know, 30 or 40 years ago. I want to pick up on the word tribe Mm. because tribe for some people has negative connotations in that that you almost look the same. And the the (laughs) tribe that you're talking about is it's almost like a bigger overview, which is people who are of like mind, people who have similar values, people who are looking for the same thing. So they could come from completely different backgrounds. Totally. Mm. Yeah. And Gosh, it's, yes. it's not a, and and this is again this is a much bigger version of family mm. in that you don't have to be related. Mm. Uh family is there's family that you have and there's family that you choose. Gosh, yes. And you are looking the tribe that you're talking about is the family that you choose. Ab- yeah, absolutely. And and that word family if I think about um the singing communities that that I'm involved with either as a performer or as a facilitator, you know, we we very much talk about the sofa singers family and people who are part of that talk about that. Um, I talk about the Men Chorale, you know, which is a, a collective of singers based in the UK and Australia. I've been singing with them since 2012. You know, we, we talk about each other as our spooky family, <laughs> for want of a better term. Um, likewise with a group I've been writing music with and performing for over 10 years. And, and there is something about the shared musical experience that bonds you together. Mm. But if you also have that shared kind of value system, I think, you know, everything kind of, I guess, you know, reinforces each other, if that makes sense. Mm. You know, so you might you might come together in the first instance because you have an interest in singing. And then because you find that people are of a like mind to you uh, and they see the world in the same way as you, that then that enhances the musical experience. Or it might be the other way around. You, you join a group because you recognise something in the people there that you that you align to. And then the singing deepens that. And, and for me, it just creates this kind of virtuous circle. And I'm, I'm just trying to find it on my phone here because at the minute we're just um, writing um, or I have, I have written a sofa singers manifesto um, based on, on the feedback from uh, the, the members, mm. um, you know, I, I cast out saying, you know, wh- why is it important to you? Um, you know, what should be in the sofa singers manifesto? Oh, I've just found it. Would, would, you, would you like me to read it? Oh well, yeah, do. I think, yeah. I think this just comes to serve the point because the sofa singers, you know, we reach singers in over 50 countries of mm. every age demographic. Um, you know, it, it's a really, really diverse, um, group of singers, but we come together around this, shared sense of purpose. So th- this is the, the, the best I could come up with. Um, we come together to sing, to share our songs and our stories, raising voices and lifting spirits. We come together to sing, to synchronize our breathing, our heartbeats and our dance moves. We come together to sing, to spark joy and human connection. We come together to sing, to feel the strength of our global community, supporting each other and our planet. We come together to sing, creating a space where everyone is valued and everyone is welcome. We come together to sing as if to say we are here, we are human, we are alive. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Wow. And um, there was was one thing that you've said in the book that really jumped out at me, which is Mm. linked to that, which is you talk about solo singing and you talk about choral singing. Mm. 
And choral singing is very much about becoming a part of something bigger. Mm. Mm. So that you're still there, you're still you, you're still contributing, but it's a bigger thing that you're contributing to and you are a small part of it. Mm. Yes. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, the the I dissolves in, in, into into the collective, into the we. And there's a, I think I included this in the book, there's a really lovely quote from Gustavo Dudamel, um, who's, you know, a big kind of inspiration for me. You know, he's a, an orchestral conductor, but he, he writes really eloquently about that shared musical experience. And he said, what a, what a beautiful model for society, you know, all listening to each other, working together to create something beautiful. Mm. And, and that's exactly what I think about when I think about, about choral singing. Mm. It's about, you know, the, the individual being part of this much bigger whole. Mm. And, and of course, being great in the sum of its parts. Mm. Actually, and, you know, there, mm. and in ter- talking about that, that distinction between solo singing and, and choral singing, there are so many people who, who are in my, my regular community choirs who, um, you know, will, will say something to me along the lines of, oh, you know, I've got a terrible voice, but actually we all sound pretty good together, don't we? You know, mm. and that's... That that's what feels like alchemy when you're in a, a, a working with a group of people who may not be particularly confident individually, but collectively, there's that support. Yeah, that's kind of where I wanted to go next because I'd, I'd sort of um, was thinking about out of the sofa singers. You know, we all know the term "sing like nobody's listening." Yeah. <laughs> well, of course, that would have been the case with. It with is some the of case them. on Zoom. Yeah. Out of of the sofa singers, how many people do you think started to sing who'd never sung before? Do you think that setting up the sofa singers gave some people permission to sing? Tell us about that. Yes, well, I think using that term permission to sing is so important. And I feel that so much of my work and the work of so many people who work in in the singing world is about giving people permission um, to use their voice uh, in that way, giving people to m- permission to sing. Um, anecdotally, you know, I have lots of feedback from people who have said, I'm singing around the house more, I'm singing with my family, I'm feeling more confident. Um, I've had a few messages saying, I think I was a, a grumbly bass when I started, but now I feel like, you know, a more polished tenor or something like that. And and of course, like that isn't the, the, the objective for me, it isn't necessarily to set people off on these, you know, their own singing trajectories that might end up with them, you know, having singing lessons or joining a choir. Like my, my primary objective is to create a shared moment mm. where we can all use our voices and to have that sense that we're doing something together, even though we can only see each other, we can't hear each other. Mm. But um, it will be very interesting. And, and I've, I've kind of had it on my to-do list for a while to send some kind of questionnaire survey out to our members and and people who've engaged with us. You know, we, we have about 300 subscribers who um who pay a, a monthly subscription um and, and we have a very active facebook group and that's where you know people share a lot about their experience but we have about eight thousand people on our mailing list mm. um that i send the newsletter out to and so it, it will be really interesting for me to ask these questions um about you know what has the effect Mm. of sofa singing has been has it simply been something to look forward to doing each week which is of course really valid in itself or has it had a knock-on effect in terms of your um your kind of personal singing journey now i believe we're all on on singing journeys a lot of people put them on hold or or, you know abort them completely um and that would be really interesting for me um Mm. and one thing that that i do want to do whether it will be next year or the year after or the year after that is actually to take the sofa singers kind of model and to actually take it on the road as a, as a live show as a live experience um and hopefully to connect with the people that i've been singing with on zoom but also maybe to bring people into that space um and that would be a really interesting thing that whether to see if people make that connection between singing on their sofa at home on zoom and then making that leap of faith to actually doing it you know in person in real life I think think that's fabulous you've actually you've led us very nicely into yes how do you take (laughs) answering a need which is what you started with to some form of business model with integrity because clearly it suddenly became a lot of work when it took off and it's very hard for us as creatives answering needs mm. to then, um, <laughs> you know, take that step to, well, actually, um, 
you we know, need to earn something. I need to earn something. Mm. This is taking things out of me. Um, at what point, if you don't mind saying, did you take that step and how did you manage that transition? Mm. So should, should I answer this with, with, in relation to the sofa singers in particular? Yeah. I think this is, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. yeah, yeah, then we can talk you. more generally if yeah. we want to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because, because like, like you say, you know, um, as much as this is our calling, mm. all of us who are working in the arts, we all have to make um, a living as well, mm. and so it's it's negating that. So, I mean, there was you know there were many things that started at the beginning of lockdown where it was just a knee jerk reaction where people just wanted to cast out and help people, mm. you know, um, whether it was Joe Wicks, um, you know, doing his exercise classes, or um, I love Sophie Ellis Baxter's you know disc, Friday night discos in her kitchen and. Mm. And all those kind of things. And, and Sofa Singers was, was definitely part of that kind of first wave of let's just do what we can and, and make, it, um, make it fun and, you know, we're all in this together. But like you say, it suddenly becomes a lot of work. Um, and so from the very beginning of Sofa Singers, we had a, a coffee donation system that, that I think a lot of people started to employ in lockdown. It, it felt important for me that people could access it for free but then they then had an option of um making a financial contribution um and what i saw particularly in those first few months was you know people would give where they could and sometimes it was one coffee at three pounds sometimes it was 10 sometimes it was more um and for the first few months you know that that worked really really well and then there came a point as the uk was starting to unlock and we were all thinking, well, well what, what's the future going to be mm. for this? And I was aware that there was a lot of people who were engaging and continue to engage sofa singers who weren't using it as kind of a choir substitute or, you know, as a substitute for something they have. It was actually very much valid in itself. Mm. And a lot of people were saying, well, look, I can't get out of the house anyway. You know, maybe like me, they're a young parent and it's hard to get out in the evenings when the kids are in bed or, mm. you know, that maybe they have health issues which prevent them from getting out. It has a whole host of people mm. that I realised I hadn't really been serving um, up until lockdown happened. You know, I, I'm kind of kicking myself now thinking, you know, if my thing is about open access singing and creating spaces, why didn't I think of taking it into people's houses, you know, mm. through Zoom before? Um, and so I, I felt very strongly that, that we had to continue to continue to, at the very least, serve those people. Um, and, and also that it just felt too good for it to stop. Mm. You know, we had so many people around the world. We had these amazingly dynamic open mics where people might be sharing traditional dance from Addis Ababa or, you know, uh, recipes from, uh, you know, Ecuador. And, you know, it's just amazing. This happens twice a week. It, it's thrilling. But... Like you say, we have to earn a living. You know, I'm dedicating at least two to two and a half days of my time now to sofa singers. Yeah. And so it was a case of we had we had to lean in and say, look, okay, well, if this is going to happen, um, we need to have a, you know a, a kind of a, a baseline of people who are contributing, not contributing, who who are paying for this. I think mm. it's important to you know say that rather than you know we're not a charity yes. and and so I set up the members club at the beginning of July and I was really explicit saying that if if you're really keen for this to carry on we need a, a commitment from you financially mm. um you know we've got a team of three uh, three of the people now who work with me on the sessions mm. uh, and we're now at the stage where we do have over 300 people who um are using that that subscription model which gives us a, a you know a real an amazing platform of certainty um, and then we still have people who who join for free and then donate through Eventbrite if they can. Mm. Um, and so it feels in, it still feels important for it to be free at the point of access. But what I now say to people is, if, you know, if you're joining as regularly on Eventbrite, please do consider joining the, the membership club because actually then that enhances your experience because you can then connect with people through the Facebook group. You can watch the sessions again in the Facebook group. We have um, we had a you know we have one-off sessions just for the members and so the, that sense of community is deepened. Mm. So I kind of see that as a win-win. And and you know you you could say I was taking maybe a bit of a risk doing that in in July because I made it really explicit saying I want us to carry on. I think you want us to carry on, but I'm gonna, you know we're going to need for it to have a baseline of financial support. Mm. Um, and what I'm actually seeing now, as we're going back into lockdown, numbers are going up again in the members club. Mm. So I think there will be a sense that that might be, you know, there might be a direct relationship to um, the, you know, the kind of status of, of, of our 
freedoms but i also think long term there will be a core of people who want to be part of it still mm. and i will you know be there to to facilitate that i want to pick up on something that you said which you may not have realized that you said which is about certainty because certainty is is essential for the participants, for the people who are singing. You know, they need to know that they can be there every week mm. and that this will be happening mm. all the time. Mm. But what's often left out of the equation is certainty for the creator. Mm. That's true. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's it, it's a two it's a two way two way deal, isn't yes. it? You know, if I'm going to be committing time to you know, um, working up arra- musical arrangements, doing you know, writing the newsletter, doing you know, all all the all the admin, which, which I am really happy to do. You know, that's very much part of of being a, a freelancer. Uh, you know, as you know, you have mm. to turn your hand to so many things. <laughs> you yep. certainly do. But but <laughs> but yeah, that you know, there needs to be an element of certainty from from both sides. You know, mm. so you know, I am now able to commit to to that amount of time in my diary. Um, and for me to perhaps turn down other work or to not take on other projects because I know that there's that degree of of investment from yes. from the members which mm-hmm. then allow me to do that and um like I say, I like to think it, it's a win win um mm. we do have um bursary memberships as well, you know because I realize that times are very tough for people financially mm. um and so um I think about ten percent of our membership are on bursary places um so you know, there's a sense that it's kind of funding itself in a way as well. And, mm. and and when people sign up the membership, they know that part of what they're paying for is to enable other people to have that experience. And yeah. that, that's really important to me. And and again, that's, that's something that I'm really interested in, perhaps from a business point of view, is that idea of value mm. and, and what we are able to give um, as practitioners in terms of value, but also how, you know, how, in a way, how strange it is to put a particular fixed um, amount of money on that when money means different things to different people yeah. because people are in different really perspectives. Yeah. Yes, I love um, the, the whole the 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 whole coffee uh, contribution thing yeah. just as a as a concept because it's like I can afford a coffee today or I can afford two coffees today. Mm. That's really nice. Mm. Yeah. And if I think about the way I've now approached, because I'm still running my my two big community choirs on Zoom, mm-hmm. um, and so for for, for this term, uh, the the kind of pricing um, structure has been a, a lot more kind of varied. So there's a, there was a stand the, the standard terms fee, and then there was kind of a, a benefactor rate. Whereas if you're able to pay more, mm-hmm. um, then if you do, you're then able to help subsidise people who who are who can't afford the full rate. Mm-hmm. And, and I think actually that's a really healthy model mm. for us to think about, you know, everything, right. you know, supporting your local cafes or spending two pounds more on a book because you can support, um, you know, an independent bookshop rather than, you know, Amazon or whatever. And I think that that's interesting to me as well, that, that notion of value yes. um, and, and how can we, how can we, you know, navigate that in a way that works for everybody for us le- earning a living and developing our businesses, but also in a way that um, works for, for people, you know, who have very different financial situations. Yeah. Mm, that is very interesting. Um, I want to take you somewhere mm. completely different. Okay. A, a beach in the Caribbean. We're not far off. Not far <laughs> off. Talk to us about forest bathing. Oh, okay. Okay. Just, just straight in. Yep. Yeah. Go, go straight in. <laughs> yep. Okay, so forest bathing is uh, a wellness practice. It's about nature connection, using your senses to slow down and to um, connect with your surroundings, particularly forests and woodland settings, and um, experience the raft of kind of health and well-being benefits that come with it, um, which you know includes many, many things, such as boosting immunity, reducing stress levels. Um, I can go and go on and go on. Um, and this is so you've been training in, isn't it? Isn't it James? I've mm. sort of been seeing what you've been up to. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's not actually as woo as it sounds, is it? Because trees communicate with each other, don't they? They have this whole kind of little underground mm. sort of nerve system. 
Yes, um, that's right. And I know we discovered that during lockdown, we start, started walking um, somewhere close to us at Croft Castle, mm. and there's a, a, a forestry walk there, and we come out that's and go, lovely. oh, God, we feel so much better. Yeah. Why? And then mm. suddenly I saw your post about forest bathing, and I thought, oh, it's a thing. And so again, <laughs> again, given your given the, the background that you're talking about and mm. also your focus, this makes complete sense to me that it's a well-being thing, mm. and it's a group well-being mm. thing. Mm. Yes, and and I'm glad that you say that that it makes sense, Jeremy, because I'm I'm really enjoying my training. I'm really looking forward to developing my practice. Um, but at the same time, it feels like quite a a left field turn in some ways. It's out there, at a James. time, you know, where I've you know I've, I've people know me, you know, a little bit for my book, more so for sofa singers. You know, James is a singing guy. Why is he taking people off into forests? But so much of Forest bathing and that nature connection. There are so many parallels with 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 my singing work in in terms of yeah well being, but in terms of connecting to the present moment, which we haven't really mm-hmm. talked about a huge amount, I don't think. Which mm. is such a big part of the group singing experience is you know letting the endless chattering of the mind quieten mm. and just being in the present moment. You know whether that's being as part of a, a choir or whether that's being really still in a beautiful natural setting and just mm. you know because all we ever have is a present moment right um mm. and you know we need to find ways in the 21st century to facilitate that and whether that's yoga or or meditation you know we're all drawn to different things and and, and in a way they all draw from the same the same source um but there's something about that the, the forest bathing experience that really really resonates with me um and takes me into a space that i want to be in mm. um and and i come out of you know um spending time in the woods and in nature maybe in in, in a similar kind of mind mindset um that i might finish a choral singing session where i feel just more grounded more mm. centered um you know more connected to my body you know you know singing uh, as you know connects us with with every part of ourselves you know particularly our breathing mm. um and that's very much part of the forest bathing experience as well that you're kind of coming out of your head and into your body and mm. and using all of your senses to to explore mm. uh, and also coming back to i think where we started our conversation which is about this you know about being human you know again this sounds quite grandiose but but you know singing connects us with a, a very important part of our humanness of our humanity that we are estranged from, or a lot of us are. And, you know, we, as the human species, we've lived 99% of our lives very closely connected to nature and the natural environment. And it's only very, very recently mm. that, you know, we've become, an, uh, um, uh, you know, I think it's, it, we, we are now a predominantly urban species. I think the balance has tipped now in terms of mm. the statistics. And so just as we're becoming, we are estranged from singing community. We're estranged from the natural world and actually, you know, spending time and slowing down in nature and not seeing nature as something that we need to conquer or move through quickly or, you know, tick off, Mm. you know, it's not about um, hiking. It's not about naming plants. It's not about, um, you know, conquering something. It's about Mm -hmm. just being, and and, and maybe it goes back to the thing I was saying about, about singing. I'm I'm really interested in in the process rather than, Mm. you know, I'm more interested in the process than, than the end result. Um, you know, so the thing with forest bathing, it's experiential. It's about the the the, the process rather than um, you know a, a traditional kind of ramble. It's, it's also, about being. It's You're also talking about, about being, aren't yeah. you? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it yeah it is yeah exactly. And yeah. so um, it's gonna be interesting for me to see how maybe I can bring the the two different worlds together. I mean, mm-hmm. I think at the minute I'm very much developing my practice as forest bathing as one thing. And then I'll look to see how I can bring my, my singing work into it. But, but one thing I'm, I'm already planning for next year are um, retreats where people can come and we can, you know, spend a weekend doing some singing, um, doing, spending some time in nature, maybe exploring creativity. Um, and, you know, it's not under the banner of, singing or forest bathing but it's just under the banner of well to be decided maybe you can help me out with my marketing there but you know it's it's this sense of I think it's you know it's connection really isn't it is what we're talking about you know connection to the voice to the self to each other to nature um which which I just see is really you know so important like really important anyway but particularly after everything we've been through this year 
Well, it's mm. stop doing and start being. Mm. We're not, mm. yes, we're exactly. not called human doings. Mm. <laughs> no, well, some people do be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. I just wanted to pick up because I know before, you know, um, we, we hit all these issues in 2020, you had been running courses for choral leaders, you know, inviting people who uh, who were musicians or singers um, to come on courses and to train with you in singing leadership. Is that something you're going to continue? Because I think it's incredibly important. Um, oh, thank you for mentioning that, um, Gillian. Yeah, I actually only managed to run one iteration of the course before lockdown happened and I felt and I still feel that that very much is part of my kind of next step um yes it's very much it's about I guess that kind of next um the next stage maybe for uh for people who have come into the the singing world and you know maybe are singing regularly in a choir or maybe I don't know sing regularly in a folk session or are at a school where they're expected to lead singing. And, and what I'm interested in is taking people to their next step. Mm-hmm. So, so the course is called from singer to song leader. Yes. And it's specific. And, and I, I always try to be quite careful about the language that I use around singing. You know, I haven't called it from singer to choir master mm-hmm. or, or, or from, from um, singer to conductor. Um, because there are so many contexts, this goes back to your singing tribe, but there's so many contexts where, where group singing happens and not all of them, you know, require, um, you know, the kind of formal training of, of a, um, a you know, of, of a conductor, of a classical conductor, of a vocal animator, w- w- whatever you want mm-hmm. to call it. And so, yeah, so the, the first, um, the first time I ran the course, um, it was absolutely fascinating. The range of people that we had, you know, it, it sold out very, very quickly. So it, it told me that there's obviously some kind of a, a need mm. for for this type of training. But there were people there from primary schools, from churches, just really enthusiastic and experienced community choir singers who wanted to maybe run groups in their own home. Mm. And, and for me, this feels like a really natural next step, you know, having, you know, empowering people to then go and lead singing in their communities in, in their own way, you know, because I think so much of what we do and, and what you do, it's about kind of, you know, passing the baton really, isn't it? It's yes. saying, look, you know, I've, I've got this experience and knowledge, like, please like take it forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to um, have a, no- a monopoly on running all, all the choirs, you know, I think, you know, th- there's enough people out there who want to, to, to sing Um for there to be more people out there in the field leading groups. But I think it can be very, very um, daunting to make that step. And, you know, and, 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 it, and it was for me, and this was, you know, I've got, you know, my music degree and a master's and, and a, a, you know, a PGC, and I still felt inhibited to lead singing groups for the same time, maybe because I came from an instrumental background, a whole host of reasons. Mm. Um, and so part of the, the singer to song leader training was that, again, that thing of permission um, and just seeing across the day the, the kind of the, the confidence that, that, that people, um, you know, that people really grew in confidence through that day. And it, it's something I'm really keen to repeat again. I'm, I'm not sure if it would work as well on Zoom, um, but mm. maybe I need to put the, you know, put, put the feelers out there. But certainly once we're able to come together to sing, it's something I'm really, really interested in doing. And and I, I don't feel like I'm really stepping on other people's toes here because there's very well established choral training routes through, mm. um, is it ABCD, ABCD I think, yes. and, mm. and Sing for Pleasure. And, and I'm sure there's many, many more, but almost all of those are based around a much longer course and sight reading and, um, you know, more the more kind of formal trappings that aren't, you know, if you just want to lead a few songs in your pub, uh, at, at the local folk night or, mm. or you know if you, or, or whatever you don't necessarily need all of that that might be a natural next step from, from what I'm offering mm. but I, I it feels like quite a, an interesting and exciting space mm. Mm. yeah um, I just remember you quoting um, the late Sir Ken Robinson mm. and uh, mm. were big fans as well mm. oh yeah and I think you did this quote which is about the role of a creative leader not to have all the ideas is to create a culture where everyone can have ideas and feel that they're valued. And I know that's what we um, aim to do when we work with singing teachers. And what you're talking about, you just said, I don't need all the work. I don't need to hold all that. Mm. What I want is to facilitate others to find Mm. 
where they can shine and which which groups so that they kind of find their niche. And I have to say, thinking about the forest bathing, mm. I can see a link between those two processes. And I'm sure you will be going there in mm. due course. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very much at the start of my my journey for the mm. forest bathing. But I think I think you're right. It's that sense of giving people enough for them to go out and and you know do it for themselves and to find out you know um how it resonates for them and what direction they want to take it in you know Mm -hmm. so part of the forest bathing is just to help people with their nature connection like you know Mm -hmm. you're kind of forcing them you know they're going to be with you for three hours in the forest (laughs) yeah you know they've turned their phone off they're not going anywhere Mm. (laughs) um but then it may well be that that experience then sets them off on their own path, whatever that might be. Yeah. Not necessarily to lead forest bathing, but they then they have had that experience and they have the tools to then go and explore that further for themselves. And, and, I, and I know for myself that, you know, I'm, I'm still doing the training now, that my nature connection uh, is much deeper and I know what I need to do um, to kind of facilitate that for myself. And that that's just through me engaging with 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 that training should we ask james i mean are are there any things you would like to flag i mean uh, what would you like our our listeners to know about um well i guess uh for the for the time being the the, the sofa singers um we sing together twice a week tuesdays and fridays i can't promise uh you know when it works for you in your time zone but we we do it in two different time slots so we do have people in, in pretty much every time zone uh, the sofasingers.com is where you can register and find out about the members group. We'd be delighted if you joined us. And we'll put the, um, any of these links will go in the show notes. Uh, so thank you very there. much. And of course, the book. The book, yes. the book do uh, thank you very much, Gillian. Uh, that's available uh, in physical form. Uh, it's very beautifully designed, just mm-hmm. like your, this is a voice book. I think the line is very important. But it's also available uh, as an audio book. It's actually on, on Spotify. You can Excellent. listen to it on Spotify. Right. We'll it put is. this in the show notes, yes. James, so with, with Thank all you. the links and everything. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then just the other thing, um, if you're interested in the forest bathing or any of the trainings I've been talking about or the residentials, um, everything um, goes through my monthly newsletter, which you can sign up for at my website, uh, which is jamesillsmusic.co.uk. Uh, and so that's probably the best place. Um, and I'm also on social media as well, which is where we often check in with each other and see what indeed. each other's up yeah. to. And it's yeah. lovely. Well, we'll so put all we'll of that put in all the, the show social notes. media stuff okay. in the show notes. Okay, thank you. And if you have any hashtags you want us to use, just let us know. Yep. Okay, I will do. <laughs> thank so, you. Um, and just a thank you to uh, This Is A Voice, which is uh, actually, and I know James has just mentioned it, This Is A Voice is sponsoring our podcast today. That this seems is a appropriate, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. 99 mm. Exercise to Train and Harness Your Voice and the Power of It. And in fact, This Is A Voice, if you haven't come across it, has chapters on classical singing, contemporary singing, gospel, rock, jazz, blues. Um, and speaking voice, speaking as well. voice, healthy speaking, healthy voice. speaking voice, ventriloquism, mimicry, and beatboxing. Mm. Just huge fun to write that. Um, mm. So, and in fact, if you're looking on on YouTube, it is the the teal book behind so us. It is, yes. yes, wonderful colours. Um, and we are done. So, thank you, James. That has been oh, it's brilliant, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Likewise, thank you so much, Jeremy. Thank you so much, Gillian. And we'll see you for the next podcast. This is A Voice, a podcast with Dr. Gillian Kayes and Jeremy Fisher.